0: This is the Car Dealer podcast driven by CarGurus. You want the best return for your advertising budget and CarGurus piston heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you.
1: Welcome back to the Car Dealer podcast. If you haven't listened before, we pick our favourite stories of the week and ask an industry guest to choose which were the best. I'm John Ray and up against me once again is James Batchelor, Car Dealer's Associate Editor. Batch, lovely to have you. How has your week been?
2: It's been, well, oh, it's lovely to, lovely to be back, John. Thank you very much. Um, my week's been been pretty good, actually. I've, um, I'm in particularly high spirits because I've just had my car MOT'd and it passed first time with no advisories, which doesn't sound extraordinary in itself. But when you realise that I've got a 21-year-old MG, it is <laughs> extraordinary. And I will be having a gin and tonic uh, for lunch. So I'm very excited, very happy.
1: Yes, but what will you be doing to celebrate?
2: <laughs> Very, funny. Very so, funny. I
1: do have one question, which is: How many miles has it done since the last MOT?
2: Well, it's done on the on 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 the on the door one thousand miles. Good lord! Which is ridiculous because I had so many plans to take it to all of those shows that you see on Twitter. All those uh, shows where people, you know, fans of Rovers and MG, stand in fields and talk <clears> about <throat> chassis numbers all day. I was planning on going to lots of those this year, but um, various things got in the way. So I haven't put on uh, as many miles as I wanted to. So I have to keep it for another year. What a shame.
1: Ah, oh, <laughs> wow. Lovely. Yes. On uh, on judging duties this week, we are joined by our friend, colleague, and all-round VW Group product enthusiast, Mr. Ted Welford. Ted, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be with you again john and batch oh well lovely to have you so for those who don't know ted is one of the many talented journalists on our team but he's usually hidden away somewhere writing about car news rather than dealer news um and in fact he's often out and about driving new cars sort of months before most of us will get the opportunity so with that in mind ted have you driven anything interesting lately
3: but um, well it has been a bit quieter. It tends to quieten down, sort of in the run up to September. Um, but I, I currently have a Cooper Born, which is uh, Cooper's, as, you, as people might know, is like the say it has sort of put it aside as its own performance brand. And the Born is its first electric model, and I am absolutely loving it. In fairness, it, it drives really nicely. The interior is well; it feels very modern, and, and though it is, it does look quite a lot like a Volkswagen ID three that it's based on. <laughs> Um, it just feels that little bit more special. So yeah, I am very much enjoying that at the moment.
2: Ted, when sorry, Ted, when you say feels a bit more special, what precisely do you mean? I mean, is it is it all the is it all the copper bits that that are blinding your eyes that make it feel a bit more <laughs> special, or, or what what is it? What's the tangible benefit over that over an ID three?
3: I mean, I am very much a. Um, I think if I was rich, I would absolutely have the chintziest. I like I like the copper bits, um, and it also has. I don't know if it brings any aerodynamic benefit, but it has a proper rear diffuser at the back. Which <laughs> it's, I don't I don't know if it needs it, but I like how it looks. Um, and inside, it's got some very nice. I don't I think i have got to call it like micro suede, but I'll, it almost like Alcantara, like bucket seats, and mm. so it's, a, it's an electric hatchback with two hundred horsepower. Does it really need them? Probably not, but I am very glad that it has them.
2: That is the thing though, isn't it? That's what, um, I mean, this is sort of a, a glimpse into the future, which all awaits us is, you know, there's only so much you can do with an electric motor and an electric car, isn't there? And so, um, you know, in, in the good that's old that's days, funny, you'd yeah. probably just stick a, you'd just stick a different engine in the car, wouldn't you, to make it feel a bit different um, from, from, from its siblings. But um, yeah, I haven't driven in a born yet and I'm quite intrigued by it. So that's quite encouraging that Ted thank you
1: I mean the other thing's worth that's worth mentioning is that Ted lives basically in the middle of nowhere in the middle yes. of North Yorkshire um and that is <laughs> it's not the ideal location for an EV isn't it I mean you're always driving down to Heathrow and all these various places to go on planes to go and drive things how are you getting on with the EV life because this is your first EV to live with for a long amount of time isn't it
3: yeah I mean in in all fairness, I have. I've I've had it about two or three weeks and I haven't actually been that far in it um so I I don't we don't even have like a proper charger at home I just can plug it in with a three pin plug and with with working from home if it takes a day to charge it doesn't really matter um but I am going to London in it next week which is about 200 miles thereabouts both ways and Theorists, I think the, the claimed range on it is about 250 or something like that. Um, but I suspect mm. on the most way, it'll probably be bang on that 200 miles. So I think there will be some stopping and charging. So
1: yeah, I'm very keen to see what it's like. Then, mm. well, good luck to you with that. Is there anything? Uh, is there anything on the horizon, car-wise, that you're particularly looking forward to, sort of being launched? Like, if you've got anything in your launch calendar that's you're off to drive soon, that's piqued your interest.
3: Uh, yeah, um, well, I say it does quieten down a little bit in July and August, um, but in September, at the start of September, there's the launch of the BMW new BMW X One and the BMW Three Series facelift, which I've been told is an LCI. That is what we call it. Um, mm-hmm. So and can the... can can can
2: can anybody tell we've had a pre-show chat about, <laughs> about what Ted was going to say? Ted, it's I, an I, LCI, not a facelift. <laughs> sorry, I've, I've been told off already.
3: Uh, <laughs> we've done well five minutes in, um, but but stranger, I'm actually more keen for the um, X one, which I know it is it's it's has been level SUV but it looks I mean I haven't actually been up close with one but it looks like a real step up inside and out and there's there's also the electric ix one as well which I think will be quite a big seller for BMW and um, so I'm very keen to see that as well
1: yes they have been needing a kind of rival to the EQA because you see quite a few EQAs around don't you actually um well, I will move us on but I do have one final question which is the thing that nobody can stop talking about at the minute is new car availability, which has been a problem consistently for the last two years, effectively. Obviously, from, a, from the point of view of a customer walking into a dealership, it's a problem. Do you notice it as a problem uh, from where you're sitting? You know, like if you, if you phone up Ford and say, hello, can I have a, a Focus for next week? Are they saying, no, we haven't got any? Or is it, you know, are they able to kind of bypass that sort of problem?
3: I think it's I think it's a bit of birth really. I know um say there's been Ford, which has well, it's not even taking orders for the Fiesta and Focus um now. And I think um I can't I can't be really say for sure, but I'm I think the, the fleets generally across the board have slimmed down because mm. obviously there's no point. Obviously, they still want us to be writing and reviewing their cars, but if they don't have the cars to sell to customers that are reading the, these reviews and thinking, oh, I would really like that, then there's not a lot of point in having. 50 new focuses or goals or whatever on fleet and um, so I think it I think it is I haven't noticed it significantly and probably not to the extent that customers are but I think there is definitely a, a, a lag between say when you are when the cars are first meant to ever be arriving
1: and then mm. when they actually do arrive. Have you noticed that as well Batch because you're with your other hat on and booking cars aren't you?
2: Yeah well funnily enough this week I mean um, I was talking to one car manufacturer and um i mean normally of course it's been it's been problematic for all car manufacturers but but most of the big players have been able to get cars into the country for journalists to drive and to conduct all the usual launch um activity demonstrators dealer activity what have you but this particular manufacturer what surprised me about this is they've actually had to put everything on hold so they sort of launched it at the back end back end of last year in december um and I was the first journalist to drive it, and then the Auto Express drove it and what have you. And they uh, have basically stopped handing that car out, well, those cars out to journalists because they just simply cannot get them in the country. Um, and they've got no idea of when those cars are going to come into the country so they've taken the view of what's the point in handing cars out to journalists they're going to write about it and then if customers go into that dealership and say hey i'd like to have a a, a test drive in that particular car the dealer the dealers simply don't have them so Mm. they've taken the decision to to take those cars off the press fleet and stop handing them out which is the first time i've heard something a car manufacturer do that which Mm. i mean it's not ideal it's sort of staggered launch they're having to do but it's just, I mean, it's just part and parcel of, of the whole problems of the entire industry is facing, really. And um... I mean, I had an interesting chat with with um, with um, Ian Plummer, Auto Trader yesterday, and uh, which the video will be coming out um, early next week, if anyone's interested. And he's saying that the new car supply is improving, um, but of course, it's a manufacturer by manufacturer basis. Some are are getting, some have been able to to get a big supply of chips and wiring looms and what have you, whereas other manufacturers they're still really struggling. So um it's certainly not going away this new car supply problem
1: Mm, it's interesting it affects kind of the bits of the industry you don't really imagine it's affecting as well Mm. i mean journalists are case in point really um hmm well hope it improves soon anyway right we better go on with it um if you haven't listened before batch and i have chosen our favorite stories from the car dealer website this week we don't know what each other has chosen sort of uh, and we're going to have a chat about each one as we go along. At the end, Ted gets to decide whose stories were the best and who is the winner. If you want to play along, you can tweet at Cardealmag and let us know if we missed anything in the process. So last week, I actually won, not to just meant did I mention that I won. I won last week, so I'm gonna go first. Yeah, you
2: didn't you didn't mention it at all. you weren't you't weren't, um, you weren't unbearable. Oh, right. well
1: uh, so I won so I'm going to go first it's just uh, because I won so the, the first story that I'm going to go with because I won is BCA um, we've had a couple of stories about BCA all along the same lines in the last week and a half or so um, the latest is that their remarketing sites in Derby and Peterborough are facing the threat of closure so BCA has entered into consultation with staff at these two sites, um, I, I guess, to, well, and, and I quote, uh, after a review, has highlighted the need to rebalance some areas of our network. So effectively, they've got too many remarketing sites is what they're saying. Um, and this comes two weeks after a similar sort of thing occurred to their site in Sandwich, which is a kind of, it's on the Kent coast. Um, i didn't realize they had any presence at all to be really honest but it's the reason i've highlighted this is because not only is it three sites in the space of a month you know facing the threat of closure or resizing or whatever um but it follows on from the story that we talked about last week or the week before which is uh what is the future of remarketing now that the car park is shrinking. Um, ahead of, you know, as a result of all the uh, chip shortages and so on and COVID and blah, blah, blah. Is this the first kind of thing that we're, is this the first, I've forgotten the words, is this the first thing we're seeing as a result of this or is this completely unrelated?
2: Well, I think I think that probably has a bearing on it, John. I mean, you've also got to remember the BCA, they have not returned to physical auctions. It's still online auctions at BCA um whereas of course during lockdown as everybody had to um it, everything was online only and um but bca took the decision to to carry on with that uh, policy and uh, if dealers bought stock at um bca of course they um did it online and then they were uh, they, then they collected it um at the auction side um a lot of other auction companies have returned to um auctions i mean uh, i mean one name that that springs to mind was g3 which of course opened a, a brand new remarketing or auction center
0: mm-hmm. um
2: uh, right you know in the middle of the pandemic and um i'd be interested to know how, how that's going for them but of course bca they took the decision not to not to reopen and that must have a bearing on on all of these closures that we're hearing they're obviously um uh, changing their business model and probably pulling back from physical auction sites. Um, I'd be interested to know from dealers whether they they think this is a sad um, state of affairs. I know things have got to change, and uh, you know we've got to adapt towards more digital, you know, arguably easier forms of transacting. But um, you know, there's there's nothing quite like properly. Looking at stock, is there? And I don't want to go sort of old, you know, old Quentin Wilson, old Top Gear uh, here. But there's nothing quite like seeing the car in the flesh, is it? Hearing, hearing the uh, the engine tick over, working out whether there's blue smoke coming out from the exhaust, and and of course the atmosphere being inside an auction uh, room down the lanes. So, yeah, th- this is an interesting state of affairs with bca they're obviously transitioning to a more digital future and 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 we wait to see what this future lies really but um yeah it's it's an interesting one
1: the other thing the interesting part about this for me is if you'd asked me 10 years ago which company would give up physical auctions it probably wouldn't be bca i would have thought bca were Mm. bca was so ingrained in the nature of or, you know, physical auctions across the country. I mean, they're the biggest player, aren't they, really? Yeah. Well, they certainly were. Um, and I always, you always got the feeling when you walked into a BCA auction, it was quite old school and quite... I mean, obviously, they, they did have, even 10 years ago, they had the online auction function, but it did feel quite classically, you know, like a proper motor auction with bacon sandwiches and all this, that and the other. Whereas... As you mentioned G3, I mean, we've been to visit the G3 site as it opened. Mm. It feels, I mean, it's, it's still fundamentally a, a car auction. It operates in the same manner. You know, there's still a man with a gavel talking very fast. Still lots of men holding up bits of paper. But it felt like a world away from the kind of the old-fashioned sites that BCA have. So I don't know, maybe this is a case of they've realised that they need to invest in these sites and just thought, do
2: you know... Well, what? I also- yes but i also think bca has transformed a lot in the last 10 years or so i mean they were predominantly you know a car auction the british car auctions they were an auctions company and of course
0: mm. you know
2: auctions is not a particularly glamorous word these days so it's remarketing isn't it and there's all the other associated companies that are part of that we've also got a story coming out today actually that bca has acquired another business you'll have to go and check the website um, uh, to, to read about that but of course bCA now is part of constellation as well and so it's it's a, a much different business to, to to what we still think of, of bCA mm. um, so that company's been on a big sort of big transition a big journey over the past few years and and they obviously feel as though online is where they're their business um, will will that's the future of it. I mean, that's not to say they don't won't return to physical auctions in the future. But the fact that they they haven't in it's been two years since COVID, they haven't returned to auctions. I don't think they're going to any time soon. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting business model, isn't it? Mm.
1: Right. I shall hand over to you as you take a sip of water for your
2: your first story. Well, my first story, I mean, it's the lead story on on the website today, and it's about it's about Kia dealers. So um, the headline is small Kia dealers claim they're being culled as termination notices handed out. Um, Now, I'll just read read the first couple of parts of this story. Um, uh, Kia dealers have expressed discontent at the firm's rumored plans to cull its network with one branding the manufacturer disloyal. uh, of course, Kia. You know its enviable reputation in in the motor retail sector. I mean, they're constantly coming top in satisfaction surveys. They've won, I mean, they've won best manufacturer in the Car Dealer Power Awards for well many many years. Um, but some of its franchisees have have contacted us, um, and 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 they're claiming Kia has issued its retailers with a two with two year termination notices and is looking to 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 get rid of well well part company with smaller older dealer partners um i must say at this point that kia strongly deny this um They strongly deny they've handed out termination notices, they're not going to uh, reduce their 192 strong dealer network. But we've had this from a couple of dealers now. Kia dealers have been in touch with us and said this is happening. And so we've reported on it. Um, It's going to be interesting interesting to see what happens. Um, I do urge people to go and read the story if they haven't done so already. Um, you know, Kia dealers have come to us saying this is happening. We've gone to Kia and they say it's not happening. So it's an interesting state of affairs. Um, I think the the, the the other interesting side to all of this is um, you know the the role of the car dealer is really in sharp focus at the moment. We keep talking about agency sales. Um, there was also Nissan. A couple of uh, well, last week wasn't it, John? We spoke about it on the on the podcast how they're getting rid of their their their, their manufacturer owned dealer group Westway, um, and you know Mercedes Benz retail group. They've been getting rid of their their dealerships as well. So um, you know. Dealing networks are very much in the limelight at the moment. Um, And we are moving towards, well, there are the first steps of of this agency sales model. What that actually looks like, we're still unsure. What that actually means to to customers, we're unsure. Um, I should say that we're not saying Kia is, is doing this because they're going to an agency sales model, but my point is, you know, the, the dealership model at the moment is very much in sharp focus. And, um, uh, you know, I, I do urge people to go and read this story on the website. And I, it's something I'm sure I will be following. And us here at Car Dealer will be updating over the next coming days or so. So, um, mm. yeah, it's uh, it was a big story for us today.
1: Yes, very interesting and quite surprising this. I mean, I... I do wonder if it's if it's a great example of kind of growing pains from a manufacturer that has traditionally been, you know, dedicated to a small... Well, it's had a small... A, 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 de- a network of small dealerships, should we say, because they started off... I mean, when did Kia arrive here? 1991. So they're only 30 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, it's transformed even in the last decade, realistically, hasn't it? And, of course, there are going to be dealerships within that network um, if they were there certainly since the start or since you know have been there since, from the last 20 years that are going to be a little bit not I don't want to say not fit for purpose but there are going to be dealerships that can't adapt to the changing needs of a, a net you know a, well take for example Kia has a massive range of EVs there are going to be dealerships that can't install rapid chargers where they are because they are in a small site in an inconvenient location where this power isn't available. That's just one example. Mm. Then you go on to the kind of the demands of uh, what a new corporate look will entail. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not just a Kia problem. This yes, We see it with lots of, lots of companies. We've seen it with, I'm not going to name them actually, but we see it with a of companies that change their, their look every few years and dealers have to somehow transform their dealerships to match. Um, but it's, it's just interesting with Kia, isn't it? Because it's, I suppose it's been, it's been a long time coming if this is actually, if this is the case and they're, they're trying to slim it down, we're, it seems to be a bit open to interpretation at this point. Um, but in a way it would be sad if Kia starts or if any manufacturer starts forgetting these small local dealerships, because they are integral in a lot of cases to their sales. Um, I mean we we're talking about this a little bit before we came on to record um, but you know in in kind of there are there are customers as you've said in, in your master feature in the last issue in the current issue mm-hmm. there are there are customers that will just keep going back to a single dealership regardless of what do, whatever it'll sell and will buy the next car in the list and if you abandon these kind of dealerships, you also abandon your customers of twenty or thirty years don't you. Mm.
2: Well, yes, and um, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that Mazda feature because that was it was fascinating going there because you know they've got customers. This is Bourne Road Mazda um, near Dartford, and it's in the current issue of the magazine, and they're celebrating fifty years of of being a Mazda dealer. And you know, you go there and you talk to the to the salespeople there, and they've got customers genuinely customers who have who have bought cars for them for thirty years, and they will buy. Every single new model, essentially, um, uh, you know, consecutively, because they've got a a relationship. They've got a rapport with that dealership. Um, And I just think the role of the local car dealer is so important. And uh, it's a it's a it must be a, a massive headache for for manufacturers because they want their dealerships, you know, retailers, which is the sort of the in word at the moment to come across as glitzy and and to have all the um you know to to you know to to have all the the attributes of of what that brand is trying to portray at that precise moment and that's the important word isn't it brand isn't it car mm. manufacturers they want to think of themselves as brands um and i think sometimes it's just that that quest to establish a brand image sometimes comes at the at the um well it comes at the uh I can't think of, I can't expense. think of the word, but it, it yes, that's it. comes at the expense of of the actual people on the ground and the people actually doing the job. And ultimately the, the customer you know does does um suffer here. And um uh you know, I've, again I've got I've got to stipulate um Kia's denials in all of this. They have strongly have said this isn't happening, yet we've got Kia dealers saying it is happening so. Um yeah, it's 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 it will be sad if it's true because um you know this especially if those dealers have been there for a, a long time and they've 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 stood there and stood by and they've they've helped Kia grow in the UK. No doubt about it, they've really helped establish the brand here in the UK. To say goodbye to those dealerships is 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 very hard. And I'm sure it will be if it's true, I'm sure Kia will will take it. Uh, it, well, I, I it it won't be an easy decision, put it that way, I don't think. So mm. yeah, I do urge people to go and read the story and um also if people want to get in contact with us about uh whether you're a care dealer or you're, where you're whether you're a dealer for another manufacturer, get in contact with us and, and talk to us about it and whether it's it's happening to you because it's a story we're we're really following with interest.
1: I'm gonna ask Ted on this because Ted has lives in a very quite a rural area, he's nodding. And has grown up in the same area. So from your point of view, you know, the people that you know near you, um, how important do you think local dealers are to the car sales in your area? Do you think people are willing to travel to, I don't know what your is it York or Leeds or wherever's nearest to you? Um, I think it's
3: a bit of both. There's um I could uh, well, around here there are some dealers that have there's a there's a lot of smaller dealers that have that have folded the franchise or folded all together and um, there's a particularly there's a Ford has a really strong presence around here and Fords are absolutely I mean Fords are everywhere wherever you are but um around here there is that but um as you say there's um I have a lot of family in Scarborough and um say they have they have cars that there isn't a dealership for like more than 40 miles to go to York and that isn't seen as a problem so i think it depends if i think there's there's two types of customers there's, there's the customer that will have bought will continue buying that care or that Ford, and they like they have that relationship and then i think some people i think they just see it as it's just what they have to do it's like if you want i think i don't think this particularly maybe from a younger generation i don't think there's such a brand loyalty or allegiance I, Like i personally would happily change from car to car depending on what i wanted and i mm. think unless you maybe have that strong you've built up that relationship with a dealer you might then buy another car for them but i i personally don't see it like that i just see it as i want to buy the products that i want mm. not the place i want if that if that makes sense yeah and i think quite a lot of people are the same and maybe increasingly so as well
1: yeah perhaps it's a generational thing you know it's the the kind of people approaching a certain age, don't want to travel. I mean, I could say this about my mum. My mum is the same. She does not want to take her Citroën C4 to all the way to the next town, to the Citroën dealer. So, you know, if there was a, a, a dealer nearby that sold something else, she would probably go there and look at that because she, then she could take that to two miles down the road rather than seven. So, mm. yeah, I, I can see it's an important thing. Interestingly, the local dealer to my mum until about four years ago was a Kia dealer. It has since not... It's not a Kilo dealer anymore. It's um, it's lost its franchise, bizarrely. Mm. And, and anyway, think, can I just add another point? Mm, of that? Go on. I mean, I think I think the other thing to think
3: about is, increasingly with electric cars, there isn't such. I don't think there'll be the need as much to go for that service all the time. Or these cars are seen as more reliable, and if it's software, it can be done remotely, and there isn't actually the need to visit the dealership as as much. So I think. I think if someone's visiting less, I just i I think it doesn't matter quite as much. But that's mm-hmm. just my view personally.
1: That is a very good point. Of course, less ideal for dealers who would actually completely. Look com- yeah,
0: we'll be right back. You want the best return from your advertising budget, and CarGurus Piston Heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites. Connect with in-market, high-quality buyers today and turbocharge your digital forecourt. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and tell them we sent you. Now, let's get back to the quiz.
1: Right, I'll move us on from this complex story uh, onto something completely different. Um I have chosen the news that the first Nissan Arias have arrived in the UK, finally. And I've chosen this story because it seems like forever that this car was revealed in exactly the same form that it looks now uh, in Tokyo in 2019, I think it was. And since then, it's been kind of, oh, when's the Aria coming, when's the Aria coming? All these poor Nissan dealerships have been surviving on, you know, one electric car, Uh since the Leaf was launched effectively. Meanwhile, Kia and Hyundai and all these other manufacturers, even Vauxhall and uh, Peugeot and all these others have launched these dozens of electric cars. And poor Nissan, the pioneers of the electric car, I would say, uh, have not had more than one product to offer. So I'd imagine Nissan dealers across the country are thrilled that this car has finally arrived. Um, It is made in Japan. It's not made in Sunderland. So this one assumes there's going to be quite a delay when it comes to actually getting them uh for customers, but they are here and it does look good. And, you know, I hope it will prove to be a winning formula for the brand.
2: Yeah, I so do I. Absolutely. And I I have driven it. It was only, it was a pre-production car. It wasn't the cars that are um, coming in on the boats at at the moment. But it is um and it's it's a it's a very um uh, it's a very car of the moment, the aria really, because um, by
1: arriving a year after. <laughs>
2: well, yes. Apart from but what I what, what I mean by that is, um, obviously, it's an electric car, so that is it's very fashionable. But um, it's very unlike the rest of the of the range actually, because you get inside and the, and the interior is very very different from a Leaf, for example, or a Micro, or what have you, or a Duke even. Um, and it's this focus on sort of like Japanese design and Japanese quality and what have you. Mm. Um, and that is, I mean, ultimately, that is where we are going, isn't it? Because um, it's it's built on the same platform as the Renault Megane e-tech. It's got obviously got the same batteries, the same motors, you know, the, the, the hardware is all the same, you know, um, but that's where sort of it stems back to our conversation with the cupra born earlier on it's this is it's how do you make these cars different and and i think the nissan is a good example because this is where interiors i think interiors are going to take on a whole new meaning i mean obviously interiors have you know they've always been important but i think this is where brands are going to be able to well i've done it again i've not brands but car manufacturers are going to be able to really differentiate themselves with their interiors know if 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 a lot of electric cars drive the same how do you make your nissan feel like a nissan or how do you make your jaguar feel like a jaguar well obviously certain things to do with the chassis and power and what have you but interiors are going to take on a new focus and the the nissan rs interior is really really nice um actually so um yeah it's you know i think if i were a nissan dealer i would be I'd be very, very happy that this car is finally arriving because I, from from what we gather, there have been plenty of customers interested in this car, and um, and hopefully they can, you know, try and get some customers behind the wheel and, and start shifting them. But uh, when the next boatload comes, and this is the this is the question, isn't it? August. August. Well, this. Is, so, <laughs> <laughs> but how many cars are going to be on there? I don't think it's going to be a huge number. I think it's like fourteen hundred in total, isn't it? From the two boatloads um yeah. it's whether nissan can keep this supply chain coming isn't it and this is this is the problem isn't it it's can you rely upon the supply chain um these cars actually turning up same so,
1: yeah mm. ted so, any thoughts on the aria um
3: yeah i echo what batch said really i i, I did um, a launch in sweden of all places of it recently and that was a production car and i was i was really really impressed with it what exactly what Batch said, the interior, it just felt like a real step of, above. And um, it's maybe not a very nice thing to say, but it just felt a, a, like a real step above what you'd expect in this in, interior to be like. Obviously, I quite like a guy but the interior was just, a, the bar had just been raised in my opinion. And um, I think especially if, obviously there are a lot of Leaf owners, uh, it was the best-selling electric car for I don't know how many years. here yeah. mm. I think if anyone who's been driving whether a first gen Leaf or a second gen Leaf, I think, and then they they see an Ariel, they probably maybe already seen it already and and ordered one. I think I just think they'll be really really impressed by it. Hmm.
2: Aren't you driving? Uh, aren't you driving a Leaf at the moment, or you've recently driven one, Ted, with, complete with its new snazzy wheels?
3: Yes. So um, I don't know whether uh, that all the model years confuse me. I think some call it a model year twenty three, but I want to say this is a model year twenty two, and as far as I could tell, not much had changed about it but it had um some wheels that I'm trying to that I reckon there'll be about more than about 20 spokes I would say <laughs> um, as, as someone that does a bit of car cleaning and whatever on a weekend I was just thinking I never ever ever want to clean these <laughs> just um and they are a curious choice those wheels yeah, I, I've actually looked on a configurator to see if that's if that's the only option
1: on a certain trim level. But I really, really hope that it's an option or an option that you could untick. Or well, I can tell you, Ted, there's a there's a different alloy wheel design. It's very similar. It's just smaller, and that's available in mm. centre trim. Well,
2: well, S- someone's got the configurator open in front of their <laughs>
1: computer screen, haven't they? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Well, but I'm
2: they... not. Each- Sorry, I'm not interested in snazzy wheels. I'm interested in whether they've fixed the driving position. Have they actually fitted a um, reach and rake steering column?
3: I don't think they have, no. (laughs) Terrible. It also, it's... I. I, The Leaf was the first electric car I drove the, the current generation, which came out in I think the start of 2018 Mm. I mean I still do really like it but it has you sit and you almost like sit like you're in an SUV you sit high up and I I like to sit low in a car so I was trying to put the seat down and like
1: and then Mm. you realize
3: it's actually in the lowest and yeah it's it does feel like as good as it is and I think it still is quite a credible option it feels it feels like the last generation electric car it doesn't feel
1: Yes, to me, it feels it feels very, because I drive them down again as well, I've, it feels very Japanese, I would say, in that it feels similar to my 2002 Subaru Legacy, <laughs> where you also sit quite high and the scuttle is quite low. So you feel like even though you're low to the ground, you're peering out over this, like you're about a mile in the air. So I don't know if it's if it's a just a, I don't think that was designed for Europe, the Leaf. I think it was designed in Japan to be a kind of, uh, a world car as it were it's very different from the cash guy which of course gets engineered here in britain in cranfield bedfordshire yes. <laughs> right move us on uh batch
2: yes um i'd like to talk about pendragon um now they um uh they they and they announced some some figures this week um and uh, the headline on this was they expect their um, first half pre-tax profit to be down by more than £2 million on the same period last year. Um, now, they expect underlying profit before tax of circa £33 million versus £35.1 million for the same period last year. Um, Pendragon has said that they've experienced higher operating costs because of increased marketing, as well as... Uh, you guessed it, inflationary cost pressures. Um, Now, they also said, they also gave some uh, meat on the bones about their uh, car volume numbers, Um, and their uh, new car orders were uh, down, obviously. Um, Used vehicle volumes were also down year on year. Mm but used gross profit per unit also continue to be strong, though. Um, so they're selling fewer cars, but they're making more uh, on each sale. Um, the thing that I sort of raise my eyebrows about is I think this is the first, and I could be wrong here, but I think this is the first that we've heard from one of the major listed dealer groups where the pre-tax profit is going to be down because, of course, mm. for the last year, you know, virtually every single dealer, you know, we pour through the results of virtually every single uh, uh, poor old John Bowman and I, but we pour through the the financials of virtually every single car dealer in the UK, and of course, unsurprisingly, most car dealers have had a very, very good twelve months, or even longer than that, um, because of the. Well, I don't need to go over the reasons why, um, but of course, we always knew that what goes up is going to come down, and of course, the the problems. We've been seeing, especially over the past six months with new car supply and what have you, these results were going to come down. And I think, uh, you know, I think this is the first listed dealer group where we've heard that this, you know, they've said, look, you know, they're going to be down. Of course, it's still going to be a huge uh, sum of money, um, you know, 33 million. Um, they're on course to make in, in pre-tax profit. Um, and uh, I just, well, I think it's uh, pretty obvious, but I think we're going to be hearing more listed dealer groups coming out with um with similar things over the next uh, few weeks and months
1: so you don't think this is a unique situation then you don't think it's that they've they've spent a lot on marketing for car score well i think or,
2: well i think that, i mean there, there are there, there will be certain things that are unique to pendragon but i think particularly inflation of course that affects everybody um not just pendragon of course um and I think I can't remember who we, who said this. Uh, I think it might have been Robert Forrester when we interviewed him a while ago. But, you know, last year we will never return to, to uh, the prophet scene from last year um, because of it was a unique set of circumstances. Um, so I think, I, I, yes, there will be certain things that are unique to Pendragon here. Um, but uh, there are also things which which will be shared amongst all businesses in the UK and, of course, businesses in the motor retail sector.
1: Mm. Right. Well, I shall move us on on a similar note.
2: Stunned, stunned silence. I like that. Stunned right. silence and
1: also realising how long we've spent already and, and we're halfway through. Oh um, gosh, yes. I'm going to go to cost of living crisis, unsurprisingly, is pushing car buyers into the used market as opposed to the new. So this is what car research. And it's found that a third of car buyers are delaying, are delaying purchase because of the cost of living crisis, that 35% have cut their budget and nearly 21% of buyers in the used market had are there because they were initially trying to buy new but presumably couldn't afford to do so. Um, so it's a, I mean, there's lots of different ways of looking at this um partially i don't know if it's to do with the cost of living crisis in fact but it's actually availability of cars is also pushing people into the used market
2: yeah i, I think i think the point is, is that even though new car supply is improving and we've said this already on this podcast it's different for different car manufacturers um you know it's you, we're not suddenly going to get to the stage where used cars suddenly become undesirable to lots of new car buyers, and we're going to have a used car crash. Again, of course, we talk about this all the time. There's not going to be a used car price crash. Um, we spoke about this. Uh, well, I spoke about this again to Walter to Trader yesterday, um, and they said that it's just silly to, if people think there's going to be a used car crash, it's not going to happen because. This is going to, you know, we're going to have we're going to have new car supply problems until well into 2023. Um, so yes, prices of used cars, it's going to soften. We've already seen that demand will will go up and demand will go down depending upon um, the month. You know, uh, seasonal um, reasons will 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 play more of a part than they have done over the past 18 months. That's for sure. But um, yeah, a lot of new car buyers have been pushed into the used car market and that's not going to change anytime soon. Have I, if I, if i filled the, the airwaves nicely there for you, John. You have
1: filled the airwaves. Yes. Lovely. The other thing I was going to say is I'm, I'm I've been playing around with Carwell recently. Other uh, new car platforms are available, but I've been playing around with it. Just looking at new EVs as it happens. Um, and I'm sort of, I, I sort of went into it thinking, right, no one's going to be offering any discounts at, the minute at all because the chips aren't there, everyone is desperate for a car, but surprisingly, a lot of them, I mean, I've tried various different things. I've tried Nissans Citroens, uh, other PSA-related things. I've tried Hyundai's, whatever. I have not really come across any that are not offering a decent chunk of money off. It was only, in fact, it was only a couple of Citroen dealers would only give me, I don't know, 200 quid off a, an Eberlingo or something, whereas Nissan dealers still happy to chuck two grand off a Leaf for example, a base spec leaf, which is a big chunk of money on that car because it's 28 grand to start with. Um, Mazda dealers offering money off the MX-30, you could say not a huge surprise. Uh, a little bit of money off Hyundai's. So I'm I'm sort of surprised that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that new cars are, uh, deals aren't out there, if that makes sense. I'm not, I'm not kind of, I don't think, you can't walk into a dealership and get a deal on a used car, on a new car, just because availability is is lower than it was. That doesn't seem to be the case.
2: Well, I think that the, the examples, I know they were just purely random examples, but um, I think the examples that you said there, um i think the difference between those is again the leaf has been around since 2018 now of course it's been updated but you know it, it, there are plenty of leafs around whereas something like an e belingo is still very very brand new and also citron will not be importing many of those cars into the uk mm. so i don't think i think the the, the the likelihood of getting money off those is is justifiably small um but um yeah, I, I, you you are right. I think I think it's wrong to assume that there are not deals to be done. Um, there are. And it mm-hmm. ultimately comes down to whether the, the dealer wants to sell you a car or not. And, and whether you are flexible and reasonable in in trying to look for a deal, you know, where there is a deal to be had. So, mm-hmm. um, I'll yeah. tell you the
1: other one, Just I've just remembered, Citroen C5X, brand new car. I don't think it's actually available yet. I think we've just done the press launch for it yes. in the country. Uh, RRP of the plug-in hybrid, 36,000 pounds. I've had an offer of 31,000, so 4,859 pounds off before it's even really yeah. ended up in dealers.
2: That's chunky, that's a chunky discount, isn't it?
1: it certainly is
2: and
3: isn't okay was it Citroen that did the fair pricing
1: policy as well mm. yes there's supposed um, to be no more Citroen discounts really that's the thing of years ago isn't it mm.
2: <clears throat>
1: over to you batch mm.
2: um well uh i've actually only got one story left because you took two of mine <laughs> um, which was the aria and the used car story that we've just um spoken about um but my last story Um, is about Drive Stockton. Now, uh, Drive Stockton, uh, Drive Motor Retail, Stockton on T's showroom, I should be a little bit more specific. They're celebrating 10 years of partnering with a driving school. Um, The Stockton site, uh, which sells Vauxhalls and Citroëns, has supplied more than 10 vehicles for five-star driver training over the past decade. Now, that's not um, uh, exceptional, at all um but it's a, obviously a very great partnership both companies are enjoying what I, what i i thought we just have a bit of fun on the podcast for a change as opposed to just a load of blokes just wittering on about stuff um i just uh, firstly um I, I do wonder whether it's still a thing that people still buy the, the the car they learn to drive in because um
1: so glad you said that because i was going to say that as a cliche but now you've asked me
2: yeah, because I, well, I think so true, is it? it is an enormous cliche, um, and I, for one, certainly didn't buy the car that I learned to drive in because it was a Vauxhall Astrid diesel. Um, <laughs> but um, but aside from that, uh, you wouldn't expect me to to buy go out and buy a Vauxhall Astrid diesel. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's still it's enormous cliche. It's one of the biggest cliches in our industry, isn't it? But I think people do really still go and buy the car that they learn to drive in because, of course, it's just that familiarity uh, kind of thing, isn't it? Um, but uh, what I wanted to ask um, uh, you, John, and you, Ted, I mean, what cars did you uh, pass your test in? And we we'll start with you, Ted. Um, was it was it a tractor? Was it something <laughs> from this century? Um, um, was it an agricultural vehicle?
3: No, so despite actually living on a farm for, well, virtually all my life, I can't actually drive a tractor, which is quite a disappointment, really. Wow. (laughs) Um, Mainly because Dad wouldn't let me drive one, so um, take from that what you will. Um, But I did, well, in, as actually, you mean, the first thing I drove was a, um, like an old Land Rover Defender or what perhaps what even what it was called before it was called a Defender. Mm. Um, So it's actually quite a surprise that I still actually choose to drive any car because that that is enough to put
2: me off ever going behind a steering wheel in my life. Um, What did you pass your test in? Was it something boringly conventional like an Astra Diesel? um, It was
3: a white Ford Fiesta. So, yes, it was it was your typical Just the typical driver. and um, well, I'm only twenty three, and I can't. It, it was quite new at the time, so it would maybe be been like a fifteen plate or something like that. Twenty
2: um, three? You actually that young? I am that young. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs>
3: um. Yeah. I mean, I I, I thoroughly quite <laughs> like, enjoy driving it, even even when you don't really know what you try, even when you don't really know what you're doing. Um. Uh, but but for me, do people actually buy the exact car? Because like a fifteen, like say that. What is a Ford Fiesta now? Like 18, 19000 Do people actually do that as their first well? Catch? Like, I I've do... heard the cliche, but I'm just like the people well, have... it
2: is. Yeah, I mean it is a cliche, but I do remember because I passed my test with BSM. And I remember as soon as I passed my test, I think I got like a pamphlet that said you can you can get 1500 pounds off the brand new price of a of a voxel Astra diesel, which of course was immediately <laughs> thrown into the bin. But I think <laughs> but I think that the driving schools they do have discounts available with with the local dealer group and i'm sure this partnership between drive motor retail and the the driving school you know i don't think it's probably not just a case of supplying cars and servicing them and looking after them it's probably you know some some referrals as well i would imagine um but um yeah it's i still think it's big business for, for for car dealers and i'm not surprised that drive motor retail are this is something to celebrate because um you know you by giving or uh, i don't know what the deal is whether they loan cars to to the driving school or the driving school buy them or lease them i'm not sure but if you can sort of uh not rely but sort of have the 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 prospect of of, of some new customers potentially uh, buying cars because they've learned to drive in that car that's something that shouldn't be sniffed at is it so i um, mean what did you pass your test in john
1: well, I learned to drive in a 1.2-litre Corsa with lovely BSM, same as you. Mm. They obviously moved back to the Corsa by that stage. But then my uh, instructor went rogue and left <laughs> BSM and bought whatever, the, you know, the car that he really, really fancied, uh, that he thought, oh, this would be really good, because he was always moaning about the Corsa. And what he chose was a Peugeot 207 1.4 diesel. So <laughs> that was, yeah um so no i didn't buy a 207 1.4 diesel unsurprisingly um yeah and to be honest i kind of i mean we're not we're not the ideal people to be talking about this are we because we almost passing the test was like a just a hurdle to get out of the way it wasn't like a we weren't you know yes. we had our plans before then obviously my plan was to go and buy whatever evo magazine told me to buy uh, <laughs> your plan batch was to buy a citron c2 and then it was yes. another Citroen C2.
2: Another Citroen C2, yes.
1: With Dale Winston interior. Yes, um, lovely car that was.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> so,
1: What was your first car, Ted? Was it a Corsa? It was
3: a
2: Corsa SXI. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's that was only thing. that was only two weeks ago though, so it's not really uh, relevant <laughs> at all. Um, but I, I actually, funnily enough, I've, this has just popped into my head talking about this a couple of weeks ago i saw the most ridiculous car as a driving school car and it was a it was a golf r um oh with, with a and it wasn't just somebody had stuck an l plate on the back i mean it was a proper you had the proper box on the roof and and that i, I presume it didn't have he-man dual controls um <laughs> but um i that clearly was a case of somebody obviously wants to have this performance car they probably is a company car for them and they can earn a bit of bit of money on the side teaching people to learn how to drive i mean the the whole idea seems seems ridiculous to me but um all tax deductible yeah all tax deductible and in in a cost of living crisis you know you look everywhere don't you hopefully hmrc aren't listening to this when i'm uh, talking about oh actually i'm getting a phone call from hmrc as we speak
1: ah the, nods, the a joke? Uh, <laughs> flip side of this i will just say is do you as a learner driver choose your driving school based on what car they have so you know there was a bit of a stage when i was learning to drive that um actually you know, i think it was after i think it was after i was learning to drive that these companies started going for things like minis and Citroen ds3s and all this that and the other in a bid to kind of you know, quite a few of them now have Audi A3s and Audi yes. Q3s. I see a lot of bizarre. Yes,
2: is that Bill Plant by any chance? Bill Plant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do you know him personally? No, I don't.
1: <laughs>
3: no, my um, my brother who was um three years older. I refused to go with the person he went with, not just because my brother had gone with him, but because he had like a twenty-year-old. Persia 20, 206, And I was like, I'm was like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that to myself. So so I happened to notice that one of them had just got this brand new Fiesta and decided that was what I would like to go with. So
1: Ted is Primarily
3: done by what car or, or or not wanting to go with one that didn't have a car that I wanted to drive, I think was the um yeah. Had, had the person with a golf R been around here, that would be undoubtedly who I would have gone with.
2: <laughs> um well, that's, that's it. I haven't got any more stories, I'm afraid, John. That's Well, nice.
1: you know what? I don't really either because the only other ones I've got are largely the same vein as what we've already had. So I'm going to call it a day there because we've already been on for nearly an hour. So let's have a, a short one for a change. So, Ted, do you think we've missed anything?
3: No, no, I think it has just seemed to have been a relatively slow week in terms
2: of how shop. dare you how so, dare you we've sorry. been working we've been working on breaking our backs for car dealer magazine this week ted honestly
1: w- weren't you on holiday for a few days Batch?
2: no i was not <laughs> no no i no, 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 i might have been i can't remember
3: <laughs> well you know it's
1: very hot that might be what you're thinking of <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs>
1: okay well thrilled to hear that um I'm going to have to ask you, who do you think has won? If you can remember what on earth we've talked about in the last hour.
3: Uh, no, I, I can, I can just about remember. Um, mm. I do, I have, I, I have, I've chosen.
1: Okay. This is well, what you tell me.
3: Oh, I didn't know if we were doing it like <laughs> x <X-Men> Factor style where, <laughs> where there's some massive intro. Batch, um, you win. Oh. Ah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, really I think nice. it was the, the key story, whether, well, We'll have to see what materialises with that, but I just think it it that raises a lot of questions, not just from Kia, but I think across the industry. So I think that's quite, I think that's quite an important story, and that wins for me. Thank you, Ted.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Do you know what? I will agree with that, and not least because you wrote the story while I was probably sat in my pyjamas eating toast. <laughs> so yeah, I'll let you have that.
2: <laughs> oh, too kind.
1: Uh, Thank you very much. Well, all that's left. Is for me to say thank you to Ted for judging today. It's been great to have you on and putting up with us. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, you, Ted. Thank you. I
2: felt as though I had to say thank you there as well.
1: (laughs) That was implied. And thank you as well to Batch for competing and beating me. My pleasure. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week for another episode, so make sure you're subscribed so you can be notified when a new episode goes live. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget you can swipe up now and vote on who you think won. If you want to check out the stories we've mentioned today, you can click the links in the show notes below or head to cardinomagazine.co.uk, which obviously you should do anyway, where you'll find those stories and much more besides. Thanks again and until next week, goodbye.